appreciate the tenderness that's here tonight. And folks using the altar, I love that. And uh, you say, when is invitation time? Whenever the Lord speaks to your heart, that's invitation time at Calvary. And I want you to take your Bibles tonight. I want to just, I want to try to give you something that God laid on my heart. Ezekiel chapter 33 in your Bibles this evening. Ezekiel chapter 33. You did well tonight. We changed our service time to 7 o'clock. And we'll, by the way, we'll carry on with that from now on. And uh, it seemed like uh, everybody sort of liked that idea of moving, moving it up to 7 instead of 7.30. But this is really one of the first Wednesdays that we've been able to implement that with uh, everything that's been going on. And you did well, man. You showed up early. And, uh, and so we thank the Lord for that. And I didn't see anybody coming at 7.30, so evidently everybody, everybody did well tonight. Ezekiel chapter 33 in your Bibles, when you find your place, if you'll stand with us tonight, out of respect for the reading of God's Word. We're going to begin in, in verse number 30. I challenge you to go back in your devotions and read the whole chapter. It's a great chapter. It's got some wonderful things that would be good for your eyes to see. And we'll, we will go back into the chapter a little bit here tonight. But Ezekiel 33 and verse number 30. The Bible says, Also thou son of man, the children of thy people still are talking against thee by the walls and in the doors of the houses. And of course, the Lord is speaking about Ezekiel here. And speak one to another, every one to his brother, saying, Come, I pray you, and hear what is the word that cometh forth from the Lord. And they come unto thee as the people cometh, and they sit before thee as my people, and they hear thy words, but they will not do them. For with their mouth they show much love, but their heart goeth after their covetousness. Look at verse 32 and verse 33. And lo, thou... Again, the Lord is speaking to Ezekiel here. And lo, thou art unto them as a very lovely song of one that hath a pleasant voice and can play well on an instrument, for they hear thy words, but they do them not. And when this cometh to pass, and notice the parentheses here, lo, it will come. Then shall they know that a prophet hath been among them. Man, what powerful scripture. You may be seated tonight. And just for a, a few moments, I had not planned on preaching this message tonight. I was, uh, I was leaning another direction, and it seemed like the Spirit of God uh, sort of changed my, uh, my thought processes and, and directed me to Ezekiel chapter 33. I thought by accident. It was not by accident. It was by the providence of God. And just for a few minutes, I want to talk to you about that subject, keeping priorities from becoming past tense. I'm going to say some things tonight, church, and I'm going to say some things I haven't said in just a little while. I don't want you to get too worried. I'm not going to get too bold tonight. I'm not going to get too frank tonight, but I'm going to get pretty frank tonight, and I'm going to be, I'm going to be pretty honest tonight. I don't think I'm going to be out of order this evening, but I'm going to say some things I feel like need to be said and, uh, and, uh, and so anyway, let's go to the Lord in prayer. We'll jump right into the Bible study tonight, and I trust the Lord will use it in your life tonight, in my life tonight. Father, <clears throat> thank you so much for the privilege to be in the Lord's house this evening. And Lord, there's a sweet, sweet spirit in this place tonight. 
God, it's so good to, and normally on Wednesday night we do missions emphasis, and almost every Wednesday night we feature one of our missionaries and read their letters and show some pictures up on the screens. But Lord, it's an extra special treat to actually have one of our missionaries come in and be here physically and to be able to fellowship with them and talk with them and, and to, to hear about the work. And Lord, to hear about this church being started in this, in this new area. And uh, Lord, I'm not surprised. Lord, some folks responded to your light and now you're sending missionaries there to start a work. And I feel like, Lord, beyond a shadow of a doubt, you're going to do a mighty work there. I pray you'll use Brother Timothy and Miss Ingrid and, uh, Lord, the children. God, I pray that you'll use them mightily. And, Lord, protect them and help them to stay in God's will. Help them not to stumble. I pray that for us all tonight. And, uh, Lord, I pray that a great uh, bulwark would be started there uh, in that place there in Brazil. And, uh, Father, I pray now that you'll knit our hearts together, and I pray that we'll be challenged tonight. And I pray all that's done would glorify our blessed, wonderful Savior. Lord, help us tonight, please. Breathe upon us, Lord. Spirit of God, come tonight and help us and minister to us through thy word. We love you, Lord, and praise you, Lord. And we ask for your help. In Jesus' name we pray, and for his sake, amen and amen. Notice verse number 33 again. And the Lord said, And when this cometh to pass, lo, it will come, then shall they know that a prophet hath been among them. In other words, the Lord is saying this, when the people get to the place where preaching and prophesying is no big deal, just sounding brass and tinkling cymbal, when my people get to the place where they begin to begin to take truth for granted, the Lord said some things are going to begin to change. We notice here that the context is a, is a past tense context. Again, look, if you will, at the end of verse number 33, the Bible, well, let me just read the whole verse. And when this cometh to pass, and lo, it will come, then shall they know that a prophet, notice the next two words, hath been among them. It is a past tense context here. In other words, it implies that there, that there was a faithful prophet at one time, but now that time has passed. In other words, the Lord is saying to Israel here, you had a good thing, but not any longer. Those days are gone. It's in the past. It may be a faint and a, and a distant memory. That which used to be a normal thing when you had a prophet come in and preach, thus saith the Lord, that which used to be a normal thing is now something of the past. And may I say tonight, Calvary, that if you and I, and by the way, it's not just up to the preacher, it's up to the people as well. If you and I are not careful, there are some principles and there are some priorities that I'm afraid our kids and our grandkids will never know about later if we fail to promote them and emphasize them now. Man, I've got, listen, I've got seven grandbabies now. Seven grandbabies. And I'm still young. Amen. Thank you, Brother Ricky. I appreciate that. Amen. And seven grandbabies. Listen, I don't know about y'all. 
But I see all that's going on in our nation and all that's going on in our world. And sometimes I wonder, man, what is, what is this world going to be like for, for my little Moses or Adrian or Barrett or my grandkids in California? If things keep going like they're going, you know, I, I, sometimes I wonder, man, are, are they going to have gospel preaching churches? Are they going to have the freedom to worship? Are, are things going to be uh, for them like they are for us now? Again, uh, I, I want you to understand that things are changing, and it seems that things are changing fast. I was talking to Brother Billy this week. Uh, Brother Billy speaks, and we were talking about Miss Bobby, and, and he said, preacher, he said, uh, he said, Holly uh, went down to Charlotte, and he said she took a, a gospel CD that uh, Miss Bobby really enjoys, and, and uh, she took it to the nurses, and the nurses took it into ICU unit, uh, and I've heard of this. They're doing this some now, and uh, they're going to play that gospel CD. They, you know, they, they believe that even though people are on a ventilator, a lot of times they, they're able to hear, and, uh, and they're going to play this CD, and so Miss Bobby can hear this music that she's accustomed to and music that will be an encouragement to her. And so uh, Billy said, preacher, he said, uh, when Holly took it down to the hospital and she met the nurses there, I think downstairs, and she gave them the CD, they said, well, what kind of music is it? And, uh, and she said, well, it's gospel music. And he said, preacher, he said they looked at Holly almost as if to say, what is gospel music? We're familiar with rock and we're familiar with country and we're familiar with rap and, and all these things, but somehow little by little by little things that we have not promoted and things that we have not emphasized, uh, little by little are beginning literally to pass off the scene. I remember it's been years ago now. We were visiting over in Olin, North Carolina, and it was uh, the week of Easter, and, and so we were out knocking on some doors and just promoting the Easter services. And, and uh, I mean, just right over here in Olin, North Carolina, and I know that we live in the Bible Belt. We live in the buckle of the Bible Belt. And, and you know, supposedly everybody in the South is saved and everybody knows Jesus, but I'm gonna tell you what, everybody's not saved in the South. And, uh, and uh, knocked on a lady's door and, and we went in and we began to visit with her a little bit. And I said, well, now we're having Easter service Sunday and we would love for you to come. And I said, you know, of course, what we celebrate on Easter. And I'll never forget as that lady looked back at me and she said, no, what is it? I said, Easter, it's Easter Sunday. And I said, you know, what we celebrate on Easter. And she looked back at me with a, uh, with a, a dumbfounded look, a puzzled look. And she said, no, I don't know what we celebrate on Easter. And you know what? For too long, it's been Easter bunnies and Easter eggs and candy and, and, and all these things. And you know what? I'm just saying this. It is high time that we get back to the place where we start emphasizing the things that need to be emphasized and emphasizing the priorities and promoting the priorities that need to be promoted. And if we do not. I'm afraid that it may come a day when all these things are in the past tense. The past tense. We're reaching, and you know this right now, we're reaching a generation now, many of whom have never been in church before. 
They don't know what Sunday school is. They don't really know how to behave in preaching. They, they don't know what church is all about. Some of them have never even been to a funeral service. They've never been, uh, they've never darkened the door of a church. And I'm just saying this to Calvary. And I don't know what every other church is going to do and every other preacher is going to do and every other congregation is going to do. But let there be a congregation in Union Grove, North Carolina that says, you know what? We're not going to be like every other church and we're not going to be like every other congregation. And we may seem a little weird and we may seem a little peculiar but there are some things that we're going to promote and some things that we're going to emphasize because we do not want these principles and these priorities to be in the past tense. Now, what are you talking about, preacher? Well, we notice several priorities, I believe, here in Ezekiel chapter 33 that I want to share with you tonight. How about this? First of all, we see a preserved word of God. Look, if you will, in Ezekiel 33, verse number seven. So thou, old son of man, I have set thee a watchman under the house of Israel. Look what he says. Therefore, thou shalt hear the word at my mouth and warn them from me. I just want to tell you tonight, I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that we have the words of God preserved in Scripture. I believe God has preserved them in the King James Bible. And I'm thankful we got this book that has been, and I know, I know there are skeptics and I know there are doubters and I know there are liberals and they say, preacher, there is no way that we can have a perfect Bible after all these years. There's no way, there's no possibility of that. And the same people, if you were to ask them, did God part the waters of the Red Sea? They would say, well, absolutely. And if you would say, did God send manna from heaven for 40 years? Absolutely. Did God send fire from heaven? Uh, 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 the altar there with Elisha, Elijah, absolutely. And I'm just saying this, if God can put the sun in space and the moon in space, and if God can speak the planets into existence, that same God can give us a preserved word of the living God. Preserved. I like that word. Preserved. Preserved. Don't let that scare you. Preserved. It's used 16 times in Scripture. And it carries, all 16 times, it carries a very similar idea throughout. The first time we see that word preserved used is Genesis 32, 30. You don't have to go there. Genesis 32, 30. The Bible says, And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. Jacob said, I had an encounter with God. But he said, God preserved my life. My life is still going on. It hasn't stopped. God preserved me. We look in Genesis 24, verse number 17, and the Bible says, for the Lord our God, he it is that brought us up and our fathers out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, which did uh, those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way wherein we went. In other words, uh, Joshua is saying this, that it was the Lord that kept us alive. It was the Lord that kept us well. It was the Lord that provided for us. It was the Lord that kept us relevant. Preservation. Job chapter 10, verse number 12, Job said, Thou hast granted me life and favor, and thy visitation hath preserved my spirit. And Job said, Lord, I, I couldn't have made it through this. 
without you. My spirit wouldn't have survived had you not preserved it through all these trials and all these obstacles and all these valleys. Preserved. Preserved. But wait a minute. Then we get to the book of Psalms. And the psalmist tells us something about the preservation of Scripture. I want you to take your Bibles tonight and turn to Psalm chapter 12. And look, if you will, please, at verse number 6 tonight. Psalm chapter 12 and verse number 6. Now, I'm going somewhere, uh, uh, folks. Stay with me, if you will. Uh, I'll make my point here in just a moment. Psalm chapter 12 and verse number 6. Very important scripture here. The Bible says the words of the Lord are, what kind of words are they? Pure. They're pure words as silver tried in a furnace of earth. And then it says purified seven times. Now look what he says. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt, oh, that's interesting. Thou shalt, what's the word? Preserve. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. Listen, this is all I'm saying tonight. It's such a simple message. I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt, I hold an infallible, inspired, perfect work of God up here tonight. Now I want to say to all of our young people, I believe this book is without mistake. It's without error. It's the holy book of God breathed by the Holy Ghost. And uh, it, is a, it is a preserved work tonight. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 16 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And so how many of you believe tonight that we have a preserved book tonight? Amen? Amen. All right, but here's the clincher. I believe that. I believe that many of you believe that. But here's the hard part. It is our responsibility to keep it before our children and our grandchildren. Well, you, you say, I believe it. Okay, are you sharing it? I believe it's perfect. Are you sharing it? I believe, man, I believe that's the inspired word of God. Are you teaching it to your children? Are you teaching it to your grandchildren? Man, are you talking about it? Are you, are you thinking about it? Are you meditating upon it? Take your Bibles tonight, if you will, please, and turn over to the book of Deuteronomy tonight. Deuteronomy chapter 6. In your Bibles, Deuteronomy chapter 6. And notice some very, uh, a very important admonition that God gave to parents early on in Scripture. Deuteronomy chapter 6. And every parent ought to learn this Scripture. So vital. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse number 4. Notice what our Bible says. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. Watch now. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them. What's the next word? Diligently. Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy Children, I want to just ask you tonight, are you teaching Scripture diligently to your children? And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. Look what it says. And shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house and when thou walkest by the way and when thou liest down and when thou risest up and thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand and they shall be as frontless between thine eyes and thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates and it shall be 
when the Lord thy God shall brought thee into the land, which he sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities, which thou buildest not, and houses full of good things, which thou fieldest not, and wells dig, which thou diggedest not, vineyards and olive trees, which thou plantedest not, when thou shalt have eaten and be full, look, look what it says, then beware, lest thou forget the Lord, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. What is the Bible saying? The Bible's saying this, that if we do not teach this blessed book to our kids and our grandkids and talk about it and sing about it and memorize it and meditate on it and, and let it be the conversation around the dinner table and, uh, and let our kids hear it and our grandkids hear it and let them know that this book is vital. This book is priority. If we do not do that, there will come a day when they will forget that there is a God. I ask you a question tonight. How, how well are you doing at keeping God's word before your kids and grandkids? I've got to get off this point because I've got some others here, but how well are you doing at keeping God's word before your kids? Now think, think with me tonight. And how about your grandkids? And I know you're limited. I know you're, you grandparents, you're limited on that. I know there's only so much you can do. But I would say this, grandparents, if you have been given liberty, take it. And try to teach those grandbabies just how important the Word of God is. Man, I thank God for parents who kept the Word of God before us. You know what? When I was growing up, we would, we would hear God's word. I remember uh, we moved from the city. We moved to, uh, to the country in the 70s. Dad built the house in the 70s. And how many know that back in that day, all the houses, well, maybe not all, but a lot of the houses back there in the 70s, they had what was, it was the new intercom system. Y'all remember that, the intercom? And there would be one place, usually around the kitchen or somewhere where they had the, the main control center, and then every one of the bedrooms had a speaker uh, in them and you could, you could talk to one another. You could be in the kitchen. You could say, hello, and they could talk back to you. Or you could play music over the main system and it would play in all the rooms. And I can remember we had that intercom system there at mom and daddy's house and and, uh, and you know what? We'd hear gospel music playing over the intercom. And, and, and I can't tell you, I can't tell you how many times that I heard this when I was a kid. How firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord. Welcome to another episode of Through the Bible Radio with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. Listen, I heard that dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of times. Uh, times. And you know what? I look back at it now and I say hallelujah hallelujah thank God I had a mom and dad who kept the word of God before me and I'm glad that in the Pope house I'm glad that we heard the word of God by the way we're hearing a lot of things in our homes tonight we're hearing cursing we're hearing blasphemy we're hearing the wrong kind of music but I just want to ask us tonight no no this is Wednesday night I know this is not necessarily to preach in time but it's as good a time as any amen I wonder what we're hearing in our homes tonight oh listen may it not just be the television or the or the radio or the stereo or, or may it be the word of God that we promote in our homes. We would hear God's word. We would see God's word. I can, and you've heard, I'm not going to go into all the stories. You've heard my illustrations. But I can remember as a kid, I can remember seeing my daddy read his Bible. I would see my little mama reading her Bible. 
day after day after day. My mama had a place where she read her Bible. And she would usually sit on the couch beside the coffee table and she'd usually have maybe a cup of coffee. Man, she'd have, you know, I'd, I'd see some of Dr. McGee's commentaries laid out and mama would be reading her Bible. I'd find daddy many times reading his Bible. We would hear God's word. We would see God's word. And I'll tell you something else. We would be reminded of God's word. We would fuss as brothers and sisters. I had three sisters and a brother. And we'd fuss like a bunch of cats and dogs a lot of times. And we'd run to mom. And mom would say, now, honey, the Bible says. Now, honey, the Lord said. Now, now listen, kids, the Lord said. Hey, hey, children, God's word says. You know what? There were times we'd come to mom and say, Mom, I don't know. I don't want to hear what the Bible says. And But you know what? Thank God I had a little mama who never gave up. You know what? The Word of God uh, saturated her mind. It saturated her life. And, and I thank God that, you know what? At the, at the Pope home when I was growing up, thank God the Word of God was not past tense. It was present tense in the Pope home. Ask your question. Is the Bible present tense in your home tonight? Are you teaching your boys and girls the word of God? Yes, wow, preacher, we're not having Sunday school right now. We're not. But you can have Sunday school at your house. And you can sit your little boys and girls down and your teenagers. How many know teenagers need the Bible too? And sit your kids down and, man, you can study the word of God. And, and uh, oh, listen, I'm just, this is all I'm saying tonight. We better keep a preserved word in the present tense. I want to say something else. There's something else we better keep in the present tense. And that's a pure lifestyle. Amen. Now, if you turn away from Exodus 30 or Ezekiel 33, I want you to look back at Ezekiel 33. And I want you to look at verse number 25. And, and the Lord, the Lord gives a very strong challenge to these people. Exodus chapter 33, <clears throat> verse number 25. And the Lord's upset. And he says to them in verse number 25, Wherefore say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Ye eat with blood and, and lift up your eyes toward your idols and shed blood and shall ye possess the land? In other words, God is saying this, Are you going to live an ungodly life and expect the blessings of the Lord? Notice what he says. You stand upon your sword you work abomination, notice this last part, and you defile everyone his neighbor's wife, and shall ye possess the land? We find here that God's disturbed at their impure lifestyle. Now, I want, I want all of our young people, and especially our teenagers, I want your undivided attention just for the next few moments. And I want to I tell you tonight, Based upon the authority of God's word, it is still right to keep yourself pure. Now, I know, that's not a, I know that's not a popular message today. I know that's not politically correct. I know it's not even being, being promoted in America, but it is still right. It is still right to
to keep yourself pure. I know we live in the loosest generation and the loosest culture and the most immoral culture that we've ever been in in our lives. But I'm just telling you, you know what? As weird as this may sound tonight, teenager, listen to your preacher. And I'm telling you this because I love you tonight, not because I'm mad at you. I'm not mad at you. I'm mad at the devil. Amen. And I'm tired of seeing the devil ruin lives and break up homes and ruin marriages. And I'm just telling you, hey, it is still right to walk in purity and righteousness and holiness before the Lord. We're so mixed up in America. And you know what I'm telling you, the truth. Rather than promote a message of purity and abstinence, we're now telling our kids how to be safe with sex. So now it's just understood. It's just understood that kids are going to be immoral. Preacher, bless your heart, but you're a dinosaur. I mean, preacher, you're, a, you're, a, you're an independent Baptist T-Rex. I mean, that's what you are. Don't you know that you can't preach these kind of things in 2020? And I want to ask you, who told you that? The Word of God is still the Word of God. If it was wrong 100 years ago, it's, it's still wrong today. If it was wrong 20 years ago, it's still wrong today. And it doesn't matter if it's popular and it doesn't matter if you get to be the head of the, the ministerial association. I'm just telling you about it. It is still right to live a pure life and a holy life before Almighty God. So now we're, we're telling our kids, we're prescribing our kids medications to help them build resistance to sexually transmitted diseases. We have went absolutely crazy. It's like, it's like giving, your, it's like giving your, your six-year-old a loaded gun and saying, well, I'm not going to give him a 44. I'll just give him a 38 special. Well, that 38 special can kill him just like a 44 Magnum can. And we, we are so, we are so crazy. Now listen to this, listen. This, this, to me, this may not to you, to me, this blew my mind. According to the World Health Organization, more than one million sexually transmitted infections are acquired every day. When I read that, I was like, I was expecting every month, every, maybe every week, but every day. One million every day. More than 30 different bacteria, viruses, and parasites are known to be transmitted through sexual contact. Eight of these path pathogens are, I want our kids to listen to me now. Eight of these pathogens are linked to the greatest incidence of sexually transmitted disease. Of these eight infections, four are currently curable. The other four are viral infections, which are absolutely incurable. You say, what are you saying, preacher? I'm saying that when you choose to be loose morally, it's like playing Russian roulette. What is Russian roulette? It's where you take a gun, you put one bullet in the chamber, you spin the chamber, and then you cock the hammer back and put it to your head and pull the trigger and hope that the bullet doesn't line up. And that's exactly what we're doing. Now, I want to tell you tonight what safe sex is. 
You say, wow, preacher, you're being pretty bold tonight. Well, we need to be pretty bold. Let me tell you what safe sex is. Safe sex is one man for one woman for one lifetime. Amen. Yes, that's right, brother. Now, I know, again, I know that's not popular preaching, but I'm just telling you, hey, it is still right in 2020. It's still right in 2021, and I don't care whether Trump wins or Biden wins. It doesn't matter who's in the White House. I'm just telling you, buddy, what matters is what God says, and it's still right to keep yourself pure before God Almighty. 1 Timothy 5.22 Lay hands suddenly on no man, neither be partaker of other men's sins. Keep thyself pure. 1 Corinthians 6.18, flee fornication. That's sexual immorality. By the way, any kind of sexual immorality. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. 1 Corinthians 7.2, nevertheless to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife and let every woman have her own husband. 1 Corinthians 10, 8, neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day, three and 20,000. Galatians 5, 19, now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. Ephesians 5, 3, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become the saints. Listen, church, I'm going to get, get this and go to the last point. We're done. Teenager, I love you tonight. And I understand that as a teenager, you have desires. You say, preacher, you're a boy here tonight. You say, preacher, I really like girls. I want to say hallelujah. You don't know what an encouragement that is to your preacher. I want you boys to like girls, all right? I want you to. And you girls, I want you to like boys. And I, that's, that's normal and natural. But listen to what I'm about to tell you. If you desire to do the will of God, you must strive to keep yourself pure. Listen to this scripture. 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 3. You can write it down. 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 3. For this is the will of God. Even your sanctification that ye should abstain from fornication. Now, again, we're, I'm, I'm leaving that point. I know that's an uncomfortable point. But that's all I'm saying. If we don't start preaching that, and, it, and, if, and we don't start teaching that to our kids, it's getting ready to be in the past tense. And it already is in the past tense in a lot of places. Some churches never, uh, never even attempt to tackle it. It's, it's, it it's, it's been past tense in the public school for a long time. And so, you know what? We better start promoting it. We better start emphasizing. I'm done tonight. It's 819. I'm done tonight. Last of all, how about this? We should emphasize a preserved word, a pure lifestyle. And last of all, I believe we ought to emphasize a patriotic way of life. You know what? With our revival coming up Sunday, I just wanted to hit this. Again, look at Ezekiel 33 and verse number 7. And look what the Lord says. Ezekiel 33 verse number 7. The Lord is speaking to Ezekiel here, the prophet, and he says to Ezekiel, so, so thou, O son of man, he said, I have, I have set thee a watchman under the house of Israel. Look at verse number 10. Therefore, O thou son of man, speak unto the house of Israel. 
In other words, God is saying this to Ezekiel. I want you to keep a watchful eye out for your nation, the nation of Israel. You ought to love your nation, Ezekiel. I want you to preach to your nation. I want you to be concerned about your nation. Listen, it is okay to love your nation. And I want to serve notice to this congregation, all those watching my way of live stream, you're listening to a preacher tonight that loves America. (laughs) I am not going to bow my head or act like I'm ashamed because I'm an American. Brother, I'm an American from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. I don't know why God allowed me to be born in this great country, but I'm just telling you, I love this nation, and I will not be ashamed. Well, you say, preacher, it's got some imperfections, and it's got some weaknesses, and it's got some problems, and I say amen to that, but even with all of its weaknesses and problems, I still love the greatest nation on earth, and I believe it's America. It's not a negative to be patriotic. Luke chapter 7 tells us about a Roman centurion that was a patriot of Israel. The Bible says in Luke 7 verse 4, And when they came to Jesus, they besought him instantly, saying that he was worthy for whom he could do this, for, for he loveth our nation. He loveth our nation. God was looking in Ezekiel chapter 22. For some people that would stand in the gap and pray for a nation. And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land. In other words, God said, I want you to pray for this nation. And by the way, Calvary Baptist Church, you and I are challenged to pray for our nation. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, I won't read it tonight. We have a very strong challenge that, 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 uh, that challenges us to pray for our leaders and those that are in authority. We're done tonight, but I want to ask you a question. Where are the American patriots today? I wonder, and I, you know, I know, you know, Brother Horn down here, he's, I know he's a patriot. These older folks in the church, Brother Mike back here, And most of you older folks, I know you're a patriot. I just wonder about our kids. We're losing it. We're losing ground. I'm not worried about you older folks. I know you're all American. You're pro-American. Man, you love America. But I just wonder, where are our kids? Where are our kids at? I just wonder if patriotism is a a thing that's that's in the past tense. Oh, listen, kids, you know what? You ought to thank God that you live in America. It's March 23rd, 1775, St. John's Church in a place called Richmond, Virginia. And a man by the name of Patrick Henry stood up before the Second Virginia Convention and he said this, give me liberty or give me death. His name was Nathan Hale. He was an American soldier for the Continental Army during the American Revolutionary War. And they asked him to go up in New York City, which was dangerous at that time, to do some, to do some intelligence. While he was there, he was captured, and they hanged Nathan Hale. But before they hanged him, he made that famous statement, I only regret that I have but one life to lose for my country. 
President John F. Kennedy said this, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. General Douglas MacArthur said, and I love this, he said, duty, honor, country. Those three hallowed words reverently dictate what you ought to be, what you can be, what you will be. But I thought this one really fit. Henry James said, I think patriotism is like charity. It begins at home. That's true, isn't it? If we want our kids to be pro-American, we're going to have to teach them. We're going to have to teach them who to vote for. Amen. We ought to teach them as born-again Christians. I'm going to bring to a close. Give me five minutes. We ought to teach them as born-again Christians. You know what? We don't vote for people who are pro-abortion, who want to take our guns away, who want to take our freedoms away, who who are, are, are uh, you know, uh, pro-same-sex marriage and all these things. We ought to teach our kids who to vote for. We ought to teach our kids to be patriots. And someone says, well, preacher, I don't like America. Well, why don't you try? Why don't you try Chad? A country that has one of the highest rates of starvation in the world. Or maybe Afghanistan, where the Taliban still tries to rule, where women are oppressed and forced to wear a burqa. Burqa. You've seen what, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? They look like ninjas. All you can see is their eyes. There's an eye slit. Where women are beaten like dogs. Maybe you'd like to live in the Sudan where Christians are being crucified on crosses as we speak. How about North Korea? The most religiously oppressed nation in the world where the people are ordered and commanded to bow down and to worship their political leaders. How about China? Where a communistic government is still in rule, where gospel preaching churches are against the law. Or... Just travel 90 miles off the coast of Florida to an island called Cuba. Well, I don't like America. Try Cuba. Try Cuba. Where those people are oppressed under a communistic government. Well, I'm talking about a country where they still drive cars that are in the 50s and 60s. Not because they want to, but because they live in abject poverty. A place where you are assigned a job. You're told what to do or how many jobs you're supposed to work. This is all I'm saying. Brother, thank God for the red, white, and blue. We are blessed beyond measure in America. It's been a number of years ago now, back when I was still working at the upholstery shop. We had a gentleman that, they came in one day wanting some work done, and he had a, he had a very distinct accent. And, uh, and I, heard him, I heard him say that he was from, from Cuba. He was an older man. When he said that, boy, my curiosity peaked. And so I went over, and, and I talked to him, greeted him, shook his hand, I think, and, and I said, man, I want, I want you to tell me about Cuba. 
He said, well, he said, when the communistic revolution took place, he said, me and my family just barely were able to escape. And he said, as we saw things beginning to unravel in Cuba and churches being shut down, pastors being shot, he said, we were able to just get out by the skin of our teeth. And he said, we made it to America. They started at the bottom, worked their way up, and and got a piece of the American dream. They sent their daughter to an American college, and she became a professor. And they were really, they were living the dream. And he was just telling me this story, and I was intrigued. And then he said this, I'm concerned. I said, what do you mean? And he's speaking in this broken I spoke, spoke good English, but a very heavy accent. He said, I'm concerned. I said, what are you concerned about? He said, because America is becoming much like Cuba when we escape. I don't ever want the red, white, and blue to be past tense at Calvary Baptist Church. Hey, kids, teenagers, young people, I just want you to know something. You live in the greatest nation in all the world. Amen. And you ought to be pro-American and pro-God and pro-church and pro-Jesus and pro-Bible and never be ashamed taking a stand on these things. Let's bow our heads tonight. Father, thank you for this time we've had together tonight. I want to thank you, Lord, for this simple message. God, we pray that you would help us concerning your book. Help us to teach it to our families. Help us to talk of it, sing of it, meditate on it, memorize it. Lord, help us, help us to constantly talk about the precious word of God. And then, Lord, I pray tonight, especially for our young people and our teenagers and our young adults, Father, that you'll help them to keep themselves pure. God, I know it's a battle. I know it's a struggle, but I also know you're able. And I pray that you'd help them to live a pure life. And then, Lord, I pray tonight that you'd give us some patriots. God, give us some patriots again in America. God, I pray that you'll have your way in the invitation. And, Lord, help us not to allow these. And there's so many others we could have preached on but help us not to allow these things to become past tense. Have your way in the invitation, Lord, please. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Let's stand all over the house tonight, if you would.